what I think can happen is, is we get in these habits of setting up our drills and our drills get going and we get excited and we have 15 minutes and we do this. And then the dog re- just up, 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 up to the point where they're on two wheels. They're not tipping over, but they're on two wheels and it's borderline out of control. And then all of a sudden that becomes the habit. Hey guys, welcome back. Another podcast episode. Uh, I'm going to ask right off the bat, I'm going to see if you can do me a favor. I've been talking with the guys on it, and one of the best things that we have found um, for growing this podcast, and and ultimately our goal is to try to help as many people as possible. So uh, if you would, do me a favor. Um, If you'd leave a rating or a comment um, wherever you're listening to this, so if it's on Apple or if it's on whatever the other ones are, uh, that play audio stuff, podcasts, if you would do me a favor and, and leave a, a rating if it's possible. So that's my one request. Appreciate your support with that. Um, as you you know by now, if you've been listening to this for a while, we don't do sponsorship stuff. We don't do any of that stuff. So if you could do that, it'd be a huge uh, help for us. Let's get right into it here. Um, gonna go. going to start out with this one I'm going to do. I've got a whole list of podcast topics that I want to touch on. Um, we are coming into the hunting season. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I've got uh, Makina in a really good spot, I think. Um, I want to share a lot of that with you. Um, the training on her has been really interesting. How we are documenting it has been pretty interesting. It's going to be a little bit different type of a series. It is a little bit different type of a series on our YouTube channel. I think Ben has us pretty caught up um, as far as postings. So we're, we, we were way behind and so I told them, I said, I just think the value is lost if we don't do it closer to real time as we go into this season. So he, um, he really upped his postings on it, which in all reality, it probably isn't good for us from a, um, from a YouTube standpoint. Like, I don't know the details of it, but he said, we, you know, we shouldn't post so many so, so often. And I said, I don't care. Um, I, our, I think what's important is, is to try to share the best information uh, using our platforms, one of them being YouTube, um, the amount of work that we're putting into that thing, I, I feel like let's let's not let our posting schedules or things like that um, predicate how we do things just from a, well, YouTube, the best way to grow it is doing this, this, and this. I don't care about that. So it's probably maybe not the best business move, but I've been accused of of doing that before too. So I don't always necessarily make the best decisions regarding um, bottom line stuff with regards to our business. We're a pretty small company and um, you know, we're, it, it's, I hope it's clear that we're not really driven um, exclusively by any means monetarily. So it's not a, so uh, my point with that is the Makina series is pretty caught up and now it's going to switch over because I've been doing a lot of field training with her. So I'm not going to get into it anymore. That's another subject. That's its own podcast. Um, I am going to go back to the roots here of our podcast. I've got a couple, um, I've been doing my best to try to keep up with, um, with questions on, on social media stuff, Instagram, Facebook, DM stuff, as well as emails. Um, not, not doing the best job with it, but I, I'm, I'm trying my best. So, a for effort, I suppose. 
Um, going to jump into it with a couple questions. This is one that I got recently. This is a, a message that I've gone back and forth with this follower. Um, she, she has a couple dogs. Um, she's got a question here. I'm going to read it and tackle it. Some of it, because it's a little easier for me to probably answer some of these questions this way and give you a more thorough answer rather than trying to thumb it out on my phone. Um, I'm not good. At, I'm not real good at that. So uh, let's jump into it. It says, we have a three-year-old Chesapeake Bay Retriever who loves to go hunting. Honestly, that seems to be the problem. He's a very whiny boy and he, he vibrates with excitement in the blind, awaiting my partner Mitch to shoot. Along with that vibrating, he's whining enough to drive everyone crazy. He does the same thing in the car. Like he's so hyper-focused and overstimulated that he just can't contain it. In the vehicle, we've had to resort to a soft kennel to contain him. It does cut back on the whining, but in the blind, there's no relief. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. So I thought this was a good question because um, early teal season for a lot of people has started. Uh, Dove has started. So we're into the hunting seasons and, and we're going to be getting into more and more of them as the fall goes on, obviously. I think that this, this is, you're not in, uh, the message came from Allie. Allie, you're not in this boat alone. Um, I think a lot of people face it. And so I wanted to touch on it because there's a couple different answers here, I think. Um, it's, uh, as usual, it's not a do this, this, and this, and your problems will be fixed. It's, there's a lot of variables. So I'm going to try to touch on some of that. I think that whining and overexcitement is oftentimes, so there's two different, two different avenues with it. Some of it's genetic. I don't know that it's not avoid. It, it is avoidable, I suppose, from a breeding perspective. But once you have, once that ship is sailed, there's no, no unringing that bell. So the puppies are born. If they genetically carry it, they carry it. Um, the, and that's a tendency to whine. And so audible stuff, squeaking, peeping, whining, whatever you want to call it, um, it can be inherited. Can it be changed? Can it be curtailed? Can it be dampened? I think so. Um, that that brings me to the next way of, okay, culturally, I think we impact our dog's behaviors. So the idea of over... So what is whining? Like, I think you got to break it down. Why do they whine? Um, over, overstimulated, overexcited. Um, there's different reasons dogs get audible and, and make noise. So... In this scenario, in the hunting perspective, in the retrieving perspective, it's part of the reason, and I don't want to get off into the weeds too deep, but like I just got a message from a guy that was messaging me about competing with dogs, uh, field trial type stuff. And I don't, I, this is, maybe I am getting too far off in the weeds, but one of the reasons that I'm turned off by a lot of competition stuff with dogs is I just don't like the, it's not so much the, the behavior of them when they're performing, when they're doing the things that they do, because in fact, uh, in fact, I'm impressed by it. I, I think it's impressive by what um, dogs do in a lot of those situations. What I'm turned off by is when they're not in the hunting situations, uh, like meaning actively engaged in a retrieve or or some type of a of a test or whatever that they're doing, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's when they're not that. I can't stand like barking, whining, um, unsettled, uh, instability. Like I think it can be described. I think it can describe a lot of that behavior that I just am really turned off by. So I think that yeah, it's a major issue, but I think part of the problem is because of 
how we set dogs up. And, and that means going back to like cultural stuff and raising of the dogs. And so I'm a believer in, in and I can give you examples. I, I, so genetics are very important and some dogs are just wound a little tighter. Some dogs are much more relaxed. That, that's, in, that's very intentional for, for most breedings. It's very intentional for me as a, when it comes to selecting breeding. Like I, I definitely want the dog on the calm side. I don't, I, I, I rarely see dogs that don't have enough go for their owners. And I see lots of people bring their dogs to workshops. I see lots of people message me. I see lots of people that I communicate with in the dog world. Rarely do I see it where this dog just doesn't have the go. Like usually it's the opposite. It's usually, I don't know how to harness it. So, and that, that's every dog. That's not the, the, field trial champion, master this, master that. I'm not talking like the upper, upper, upper um, end or per, uh, top percentage of competing dogs. I'm talking like the average dog for most people is more than what they know what to do with. And I, I really believe that. So what ends up happening is I think that we, from the beginning, tend to set them up to be the way they are. Like uh, if you look at I just think they're the products of their environment. And so pace is important with dogs, especially with dogs that may have a tendency to be a little bit more wound tight, which I do think that there is those dogs out there. There are dogs that are bred for that. They want it. It's intentional. There's some dogs that they don't want it. It's intentional. Depending on what you have is going to dictate a lot of that. But then it's, it's also what you do with them. And my example is, so I've, had, I have, I've seen litter mates, um, I've, I've bred and trained litter mates that if they are brought up in a different environment with a different household or setting, they can really come out different or be different at certain points in their training. And so one of the things that I really focus on is figuring out what that dog wants to do. I just messaged with someone about this. I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but it was something about where someone, their dog wanted to do something fast. It might've been actually might've been um, at that waterfall expo that we did some seminars at. But anyway, I was talking with someone about it. Their dog really wanted to go fast. And so I told the person, I said, well, you really have to slow down. And when I say slow down, I don't mean like go slow by the average standard. I mean like go extremely slow to counter the dog's extreme desire to go fast because you don't really want to go that slow when it's all over and done with. Like at, at some point with my dogs, I like to move at a comfortable pace, whether I'm doing anything with them. But that means in the process, if I start seeing signs where the dog is going so fast or wants to go so fast or when I, and when I say fast, I don't mean like running. I just mean like can't think, can't focus, can't connect their mind to their feet. They're in a rush to do every single thing they do. Whether it be sitting, they sit fast. Well, then slow it down. If they want to go to the bathroom and they got to run to the door, slow them down. If they want to go, if you're going out to get the mail and they want to go, slow them down. If you're going to set up a drill and they're antsy and I call it happy feet, they're just, they gotta, gotta, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. All right. We're going to go like a snail. So I think that people have to realize that whatever it is, when I tell you to go super slow, that doesn't mean forever. That means t until the behavior changes with the dog to counter the extreme 
fast pace to get it somewhere in the middle, which is typically where I try to be. And so with you with you with a dog that's so excited in the blind, I think you gotta look at the I think you gotta look at the scenarios. So how do you train for the hunting stuff? I see so many people get ready to train for hunting season. And what they do is they take that mentality of a short session, which I think is valuable. Short sessions are good. Short sessions are good for learning specific things. But what they'll do is they'll take that mentality of a short session. You might have 15 minutes to work with the dog. So what do you do? You get their little kennel. You get their little blind. You get them in the blind. You get the gun out. You get your dummy launchers out. You fire a few dummies. You send the dog. I, I watched, I watched, uh, I, wa- I follow, I follow quite a few people on, on social media that I, that I learn from. And so I watch and I learn both things that are, I think, desirable and like things that I should look at and go, Ooh, I should do more of that. But I also watch people at, at times I watch and I go, Ooh, I do not want to do that. And one of the things that I've been seeing real, and, and this is, this is not a, again, like most things, not a black and white statement, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't watch a 30 second clip and make assumptions. Like I I shouldn't do that because people do it to me all the time. And I go, well, don't take a 30 second clip out of a 30 minute seminar out of a years and years and years of sharing different content things and think you've got me like understood because it's, it's not true, but so it's gotta be in context. But I watch a lot of videos where folks show, and I think it's, kind of a highlight reel uh, to, a, to a point, but they'll show a, a dog that they really want to show, I think, st- some flashiness and style, and I think that they, they think it's cool, and I think they think other people think it's cool, and most people probably do, and I'm a little turned off by it, but it's these dogs that have such go, such drive, such... So they'll, they'll fire dummies or fire launchers or, or have people throwing for them or whatever it is, and those dogs are about to jump out of their skin. And I see so many of them. More recently, I see them really like big on, on this is a, a, again, going into the weeds, but using like a place board, putting a dog on a place board. And that dog is on the absolute tip of its edge, leaning out, about to come out. Like it looks like it's going to jump out of its skin. And it is just, and it's like flinching. And it's like, and then the person will, you know, say another fake a name or say another word or whatever and the dog flinches but doesn't come off that mat you know so it it looks cool for some people and the whole time i'm sitting there watching it going i would never send that dog ever that dog wouldn't get a retrieve for me like i i i do that drill for sure because it really is what it's doing it for me is it's pointing out boy there's a weakness there the dog is over anticipating everything and literally on on such I call it like he's on two wheels. Like he's going around the corner so fast, he's about to roll over. And what ends up happening is every time, and I'm not criticizing this, I just don't, I just think it's a mistake, which I want to learn from, but which I try to apply and learn from. But what happens is, what I think should happen is when that dog gives me that behavior, it's a real red flag that says dogs should not be making retreats. Blue does it. Blue, blue, my little blue really trying to work on developing this calm, quiet, steady dog um, within reason because he's only seven months old and I'm not really formally steadying him. So I'm not asking him to be super steady, but I am definitely shaping it. And so as he gets a little jumpy, I have to recognize 
if it's a drill that he doesn't need to go early on, like if he were to break and go a little bit early, if it were something that I was working on that was new and I needed a little bit of him to push through, whether it be cover or extra long distance, or it's a memory of some sort, or potentially even like a blind, which we've started some very simple stuff with, I get I, I say okay with the idea of him getting a little jumpy on it and breaking. I'll let him I'll let him get away with it because that's not the point of the drill. But what I don't allow to happen is if it's a memory that he's done a million times before and he knows and he it's not super challenging. It's nothing new to him and he is so wound tight that he can't handle himself to not be jumping out of his skin. Well, then I go pick it up myself. There was drills recently where I worked with him and he just wasn't settling he just he was a little antsy i mean and it wasn't bad he wasn't vocalizing he wasn't verbal he wasn't verbal he wasn't he wasn't moving he wasn't breaking but you could just tell his whole body was t- so tense and he was so like close i just said well that not until you relax and he didn't relax so he didn't pick any so what i think can happen is is we get in these habits of setting up our drills and our drills get going and we get excited and we have 15 minutes and we do this and then the dog re- just up, 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 up to the point where they're on two wheels. They're not tipping over, but they're on two wheels. And it's borderline out of control. And then all of a sudden, that becomes the habit. And if verbalization or vocalizing is allowed to happen and they still get what they want, well, it's no different. It's very similar to the idea of when I tie a puppy out. If I tie a puppy out and they bark and whine and fuss and I just get sick of it and eventually I go get them and I bring them in because I just can't stand hearing it anymore, what is it telling the dog? Well, it's telling the dog, bark and whine and fuss, I'll get to come in. So they bark and whine and fuss that much more next time. Where I just have to put earplugs in at times and go, you know what, I'll wait until they're quiet. And they tire themselves out, they finally get quiet and then I go get them and they go, oh, what happened prior to me being able to get what I wanted, which was to come in. I had to shut up and lay down and fall asleep. And all of a sudden, they work through this process of giving into that quicker. And all of a sudden, they're, that's the behavior. So I think part of it is, is with this dog, I would say I'd make a whole lot of setups, replicating hunting type setups, blind type setups, training type setups, where the dog gets to the point where it starts to boil over and it doesn't get what it needs. So it could be some really long, boring sessions of nothing. But then all of a sudden the dog starts to realize it isn't always excitement. It always isn't going to be uh, go, 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 go. And I think that the reality of duck blinds, which we're talking about duck blinds here, the reality of duck blinds are, I was in one earlier this year, uh, teal hunting, and I took, well, I took Ellie with, and I was with a buddy of mine who had his dog out on his first hunt. And we, I don't know, we were in the blind for three hours and never fired a shot. And I never heard a peep and I had these dogs just lay quietly and they rested and there were some birds that landed in the decoys, but it was before shooting time. And so they got up and they watched them because they could totally sense that we got excited. We were jacked. Well, there they are, there they are, we're whispering and we're this and that. It was the greatest training for those two dogs because they got the real deal without the reward of like, have getting to go but they got to be tested as far as can you be quiet can you be patient and in that situation they had to be because if they got whiny and fussy those birds are striking like it's not going to work so i think in this situation it's it's the extreme on the opposite you have a dog that's antsy sounds like easily excitable 
um, the car, the whole car thing. I, I, I told someone this recently. I said, I, I, there's a person that we did a uh, seminar at a waterfall hunters expo the other day. And the guy said something about when I get my gun, my dog comes unglued. How do I fix that? I said, I'd start getting your gun every day, not just when you go hunting I'd get the gun every day at home. I'd get the gun out of the case. Dog comes unglued. I'd sit down, put the gun back. Nothing happened. Till the point, till you, I do it so often that the dog goes, well, he's just going to get the gun again. No big deal. And then I might take a step outside with him and do the same thing. I said, but it's going to take a lot of this before the dog starts to realize I can't lose my cool just because this is going to happen. And what probably has happened leading up to it is every time that gun came out, something good followed it and the dog came unglued and was rewarded for it. So stop that. You have to you have to reverse the behavior. So I, as you can hear in the background here, I got a my little excitement of doing this podcast and tone and speed. For an hour and a half, two hours, my dog has been quiet in the kennel. That's Makina. And all of a sudden, I get going and I get a little tempo going and I look a little pace. And what what does she do? She wakes up and she's fussing. She doesn't have to go to the bathroom. She's fussing. So I'm gonna let her out just in case she has to go to the bathroom. I don't think she has to, but I'm gonna put her back in. Um, but this, so this is a, I'm going to, we're going to do this one as a single question. I've got a couple other questions here that I'm going to hammer, but Allie, that that's, I think what it is, is, is finding balance. And when you've got a dog that's wound so tight, you better slow that thing down to an extreme. And, and when I say that it's not forever, but it's until the behavior starts to get where you need it to be. So try that. Let me know how it goes. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. A little shorter podcast than what I'd hoped because I was going to hit a couple other questions. But you can hear in the back, like, this is this is a perfect example of the dog's feeding off the energy. She hears me. She wakes up. She's excited because I'm off and going, which is where if I were out with the dog right now working with her, this is the exact thing I don't like. So if I'm out in the field right now, I recognize, well, what happened? I got her all fired up. So what would I do? Stand there quietly and do nothing. Until the dog finally got so bored, it laid down. So it's a it's a it's a good example. It's the same idea or concept. It's just in a different environment. All right, Allie. I hope that helps you guys. Thank you for the support. I appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast. If you do me the favor, uh, like I asked earlier, if you do do a review for us, I think we had three hundred and some on Apple. Um, I'd love to see that go up a little bit. So if you do me a favor and leave a review there, I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, and if you know someone that you think this might help, please do me a favor and share it with them. That's that's uh, my request of the day here. So thank you guys for the support. I really appreciate it. <laughs>